to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're the Cubs split squad, won three of four against the Pirates to avoid a losing record against one of the worst teams in baseball home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. If you like the show, leave us a five-star review and a rating so other people can find the show. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs. I write about Kyle Schwarber's return to Wrigley Field and more at Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? It's going pretty well. It was quite a long and fun weekend. Said the Bleacher Bum Band gig. I was. Uh, I went to the Sox game actually yesterday. Um, Didn't they lose friend... that game? Wasn't that the game where like Cleveland clinched and then they started trolling the Sox all over social media? Pretty much. I mean, it, I I tend to have a uh, a way of going down to Sox Park and watching the White Sox lose, which I don't mind. <laughs> It doesn't bother me at all. In fact, my dad was a Detroit Tigers fan, and I still like Javi Baez, even though he's having a terrible year. Um, I, I went there to drink White Sox fan tears. So. Yeah, I mean, well, Javi had a really good year against the White Sox, which, as far as I can tell, just proves a theory of mine, which is that he shows up when the crowd is up and, like, doing stuff and be, being all antic and whatever. And so, like, because the White Sox fans boo him and, like, tell him that he's terrible and like hate him for his time on the Cubs. He can get up for that. And he's therefore like a great player against the White Sox. And and when he's just hanging out in Detroit playing like the Royals or something, that's real hard to get up for. But I want to go back to this Cleveland thing for a second, because truly if you are not, and look, I get it. You, there may be a million reasons why you don't follow Cleveland on social media. And I understand that. And yet there social media people were on fire yesterday trolling the White Sox and it was honestly pretty funny. I mean, not just the White Sox. They were trolling the White Sox. They were trolling every website that does predictions. Like they had the fan graphs predictions and the baseball prospectus predictions and the Pocota whatever thing. And they're like, oh, look, all these people thought that we were going to finish in fourth or fifth. <laughs> ha ha. Here we are winning the division. Yeah, well, I mean, it is pretty impressive because they did it with a lot of young guys. Uh, I asked my friend Gary, who is a Cleveland uh, fan, and I said, well, why'd you guys get rid of Fran Mill Reyes if, you know, you, you're doing so well? He's like, because he strikes out too much and he can't play the outfield. And I'm like, oh, well, fair. I guess we've seen that that much happening. But, um, you know, it's like this is a young team. It's a very low payroll. I think they're under $40 million. And so, hey, owners, Ricketts, don't get any ideas, please. Um, I mean, that's what the Ricketts want to do. Why do you think they hired Carter Hawkins from Cleveland? From Cleveland, yeah. They're like, hey, can you turn us into the Rays and then we'll just pocket all the excess? I mean, I look, that's, you know, probably not totally what they were doing. I think they also kind of like how Cleveland can develop pitching. But, yeah, it's really less than ideal to have that be the blueprint that Jed is so enamored of. Well, if you think about it, though, with Carter Hawkins just got here, all these guys that are coming up and playing in Cleveland are Carter Hawkins guys and they've overperformed. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like the central division of the American League is any good because it isn't, you know, it's not a strong division. White Sox, with all the talent they have, and I understand they've been injured, but with all the talent they have and the depth that they, well, they didn't really pick up enough, but they should have won this division. You know, oh, totally. they, yeah. it reminds me of like kind of how the Cubs got it kind of, you know, snatching, uh, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory in like 2018. It's like, all right, well, you just, you just laid down and you tried to play, uh, you know, rabbit and hair and everybody was waiting for a moment where the white Sox were going to go on a run and get hot. And then everybody kept saying it was going to happen and it never, ever, ever happened. And then they got swept out of contention. They couldn't even get it up to win one freaking game against Cleveland this week. I know there's a Cubs podcast, but I'm just like, if I was a white Sox fan, eh, uh, you know, I'd be real. I'd be way more disappointed than, Cub fans are now because we knew we were going to have a bad year. Oh, you know, yeah. Everything yeah. could have gone perfectly and we'd still end up 500. Well, and, and the White Sox made a classic blunder, which is they talked a lot of smack before the season. And yeah. now, I mean, they're what, seven games out of the wild card? Yeah. There's, I mean, it's, it's, just and now nobody over. feels bad for you. Yeah. Not, and because <laughs> you talk smack and you weren't like nice guys. 
And, you know, I say what you want. I mean, how much a manager makes or breaks a team. But to, oh, the Tony clearly. La Russa, Tony La Russa is worth like negative 10 wins. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, yeah, maybe they can't win games for you, but they certainly can lose them for you when they're walking guys with two strikes on them. I mean, what are you doing? You know, it's and I feel bad for him because he's obviously sick and we all knew he was past his prime before he even went back out there. So the game has passed some of these guys by in the way it's played. And I think that even though I think they understand analytics and that they can get behind all of the advanced stats and what they mean and can set their lineups and game plans accordingly, even I'm not being ageist about this at all. It's just that, you know, Tony La Russa has was out of the game. He was already out of the game and he came back and, you know, even within a couple of years, the last few years, a lot of the extra data, especially especially from a pitching standpoint. No, I don't know how much he's dealing with that versus the pitching coach, but either way, it was a terrible mistake, and I I do not feel bad. I would imagine many of the listeners of this podcast do not feel bad that the White Sox are going to be sitting at home with the Cubs. They will both be eliminated from contention soon enough. Doesn't matter if it happened a week before the season ended or three weeks before the season ended. You're sitting home in the fall. So are we. But we deserve better. We all deserve better here in Chicago and our sports teams. Yeah, it's funny because the two teams have different tracks to irrelevance, right? Like the White Sox have this really talented team, don't have a super deep farm system, and thought that they could just like, I don't know, man. Like I, I'm sure in his heart of hearts, Reinsdorf really thought that like this was the right move and that like Tony LaRusso would be great for this team. But but couldn't you tell after last season that that was wrong? Like wasn't it clear relatively early that was wrong? Also, there was this perfect moment earlier this season where a bunch of managers were fired where the White Sox could have just parted ways with Tony La Russa and nobody would have batted an eye, right? Like when Joe Girardi got fired and Joe Madden got fired and Charlie Montoyo got fired, like all of that was like White Sox, just like get it done and maybe turn your season around. And they just didn't. They refused to do anything. And as a result, they're just stuck. I, I mean, honestly, this would be like if the 2016 Cubs finished under 500 and yeah. just like no prospect for the future, which would be truly truly devastating so I feel bad for all of my friends who cheer for the White Sox and I I honestly come join us on the Blue Jays bandwagon it's it's gonna be fun we'll have a Blue Jays segment coming up in the show but first let's talk about the Cubs who are still playing baseball it is irrelevant baseball but it is baseball and and you know every now and again Patrick Wisdom hits a Wisdong and and I get excited about that that's fun stuff um the the Cubs did the improbable Danny they won three of four against the lowly Pirates and salvaged Amazing. a winning record against one of the worst teams in baseball. Can we get wow. a round of applause for the Cubs for, for you know, like, you know, not sucking against one of the worst teams in baseball, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've got some really interesting prospects on that team, but they are so young that they're not really playing fundamentally sound baseball right now. There's it. It didn't really that Friday night game was one of the worst games I think I've ever seen played in my life. Like, I don't know if anybody was even trying to win that one because <laughs> what and they were I mean, they squeaked out the wins. Right, too. I mean, it's uh, what did they win? Three, three to, two, to two, six to five. Six I mean, I agree with you on both the Friday night game. And was it a Thursday? Yeah, this was a four game series. Right. So there was a Thursday yeah. and a Friday, both Thursday and Friday. I was like, these don't even feel like victories. No. These feel like scrimmages <laughs> and the yeah. scrimmage just happened to end with the Cubs on top. Well, the difference is, I mean, but then with their guys, you got guys like O'Neill Cruz, who's, you know, he's just getting his feet wet as a, a rookie, but the dude is a total stud. He's a million feet tall. He, he he's out there playing shortstop. He's making plays. He, he just looks like, a, you know, just the eyeball test of just like this guy is going to be a stud. And you could tell. And then they had that uh, pitcher who pitched um, Ortiz on Sunday. He's dialing up to 100. They got Oviedo from the Cardinals. He was dialing it up in the high 90s. It's like they've got some interesting players and they're young. Um, if I don't know how much longer they got Brian Reynolds, but they've held on to him. Um, you know, then, I mean, they get, they don't have enough and that's obvious, but they have a good young team. They had that, um, 
I don't know. Is he from Korea? Oh, Bay. Yeah. yeah. He's stealing a lot of bags. And and I don't like the Cubs. He does not get caught. He 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 like <laughs> steals and does not get thrown out on the base pass. It's it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. It's I I don't really understand that. <laughs> fast. <laughs> We're not used to it. I'm not used to that. But no, they've got a good young team whereas our guys I mean, you got a 4A player in McKinstry. You got Bodie out there for reasons. You've got, you know, you've got an for aging. Reasons. 90% half- of the lineup decisions on this team are hashtag reasons. Like, I don't even understand what's going on. Yeah, does Jan Gomes really need a day off every two days? Like, it might. I mean, the man how is How is old, that possible? So- He's only played, like, I, I'm going to look up how many games Jan Gomes has played this year. Like I'm used to Wilson Contreras going out there every day and Jan Gomes gets a day off every 47 seconds. Well, and it, you know, and even though we played the pirates at Marlins this week and won most of the games, um, I, you know, if you're, you're looking at this, you have all your best hitters are gone. And Nico Horner did come back, but Wilson Contreras is gone. Hold on. Like Nico Horner came back as a DH. Yeah. So that we could watch Fran Mill Reyes play right field, <laughs> not left field, right field, which has that like the Clemente wall. And I was just like, is this look, it worked out. Okay. Is this so, legal. But like <laughs> this, this was a terrible idea. It. Yeah. And, um, and I'll say that Patrick wisdom was out there too. And then you've got like revolving short shortstops. You have Morel played shortstop. You had McKintry played shortstop. Uh, you had, I think that was it. Actually. You know what? So Christopher Morrell makes great stops at shortstop and then throws the ball just like, yeah, it, it's a Sean Dunstan show out there. It's just like, you never know where the ball is going to, is going to go well, when Christopher Morrell stops it. I mean, as much as I like to see athletic guys running around the ballpark and being able to do lots of different things, Morrell's in center, Morrell's at short, you know, Morrell's at third, Morrell's at second, like fine. But like, is this good for his development? I mean, he should Can't be a triple do- A, right? Like he never did triple A. Yeah. I mean, probably, but just like, but pick him a position. Like he was a third baseman and we barely even seen him play third. Cause he got Patrick wisdom over there until he got hurt. And now Bodie's back and he plays third. And it, you know, it's just like, did, how many middling infielders do, does this team freaking need? You know, I mean, it looks like it's an out. This is all just a big audition for second and third base next year. Right. You know, and maybe shortstop for that matter, depending if they do anything. Center field. Like, I mean, there's a, there's yeah. a few positions that seem kind of, kind of open here. And, and, and again, like I am totally fine with, I want to see Christopher Morrell play over David Bodie for sure. But it's also just one of these situations where it's like, these lineups have a real YOLO feel to them. It's like David Ross pulls some guy's names out of a hat and just like throw, ah, it's a PJ Higgins day. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and you know, maybe I'd rather see you Higgins more than Gomes just be to see what you got and see what, you know, see if he can turn into a, a real major leaguer, especially to the, for the fact that at this point, what you're going to do is you're going to, you know, offer Wilson Contreras to the qualifying offer. He may or may not take it. And then you either get one more year of Wilson or we're kicking the can down the road and trying to get somebody else in the future. I mean, that's just where we are. And it's like, I, know, have a, so- I have a Wilson question for you. Because I've been trying to figure this one out and they've been crickets on this front. You know, he's been out there trying to get ready. He's doing drills. He's hitting in the cages. We see him out there running before the game. I have to believe that if he is ready to play, he's going to play at Wrigley Field. That the Cubs would not take away the last homestand at Wrigley Field from him without him being hurt. That that if he is that the that he probably got some extra rest over this road trip, specifically so that he can play these games against the Phillies and the Reds at Wrigley. But I don't know. I I could be wrong about that. That's sort of where my gut is. Yeah, give the guy cortisone shot. Let him come out on Sunday or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it'll be something like that probably. Um, I I you know give him a you know let him DH or. Well, you can't let him DH. You got Nico DHing because you know, and you, like Nico having a triceps injury actually makes me nervous. The triceps area tends to be a place where, like, it, it's a follow-on injury, and if the you know your throwing arm has a triceps injury, it usually means that there's something going on between your shoulder and your elbow that's <laughs> yeah. impacting your tricep. I just yeah. that that worries me a lot. Well, I mean, you already lost the season. 
It's like, why not shut these guys down? Um, I mean, Nico, they didn't even put on the IL because you don't really need to at this point. I mean, who are you going to have play? You've got all your minor leaguers are out there playing the playoffs in the, in the minor league playoffs. So you don't want to steal them from that because they're having a good time and stuff. And they should be. Um, but they're just going to like limp through this last week and, you know, we might see some more interesting lineup decisions throughout the the year. I mean, oh, throughout the rest of the year, that not only was that Friday game terrible, <laughs> getting back to that Friday, but it's also one of the worst lineups I've ever seen for. I mean, since there were people talking about like who had been around since the 70s that were like, I've seen some bad lineups in my life that this one might take the cake. And luckily the pirates just kept beating themselves. Um, um, McKinstry, heroes, Bodie, Hap, wisdom, Rivas, Higgins, Jared Young, Hermosillo, Morel. That was Friday how many night. of those guys do you think will make at least 20 starts next year for the Cubs? I mean, depending if they want to try to win baseball games next year, there won't be a lot. I mean, they already paid Bodie. Hap will be there just because they didn't manage to trade him. Maybe they trade him in the offseason. But I bet you he's gone. Uh, Wisdom, I mean, has he done enough to prove that he belongs here? Because the homers are there. The power's there. Just the OBP is not really there. And uh, the batting average is definitely not there. I mean, 738 OPS on the air. Yeah, it's like fine. But it's also not, I mean, it's, it's fine. Like I, I suppose they could not want to like, they could, they could want to not add a third baseman to their, their list of needs. They, you could either get a first baseman or a third baseman. Maybe they, they decide to just like let wisdom roll there. He's the only guy with 25 plus home runs on the team. Oh, one, one cool note there that I have to talk about while we're talking about the number of home runs. I don't know if you saw it, but William Contreras hit his 20th home run. Uh, this weekend, which was fun and awesome, which means that Wilson and William both have 20 plus home runs for, I mean, it's the first time that's ever happened for the two of them. I think that's super fun. I don't, re- I, I, I couldn't find a good way to search for this on baseball reference. So I don't know the last time two brothers had 20 home run seasons in the league, but I thought that was fun. And I, and it's I gotta be the lose. Maybe. Yeah. That seems about right. The lose. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of chance for it. The Molinas? Did the Molinas ever do it? I don't know. They. I heard something the other night about pitchers that were doing it because there were some twin brother pitchers. Oh yeah, Tyler and Taylor Rogers. Yeah. So and they, so they're talking about pitcher brothers, the uh, Russell brothers. But it'd be interesting to look into the hitting and seeing what kind of years that they could have had, or like hitting a grand slam on the same day or something. But anyway, um, back to wisdom and, and third base. I mean, I, I I sort of agree with you. I also sort of think they'll just let that ride. I mean, he's still a he's. I, I don't even think he's hit arbitration yet. I, I it's just a guy who's going to hit you twenty five home runs and play decent defense at third. And why why try to upgrade there unless you're sure you're competitive? Yeah, as soon as you hit arbitration, I think they're going to maybe reconsider. But when you're pay- paying that so little for it, um, and. I was talking to at the Bleacher Bum Band show on Saturday out in Riverside. Uh, there were a couple Cardinals fans like wearing Cardinals gear, like full on because Pujols had just hit the stupid <laughs> freaking seven hundred. So like they're like, I'm going to put on my Cardinals jersey, go to a beer fest. And they and I'm like, I w- walk up to him. I'm like, just so you know, we're a Cubs band. We're going to play songs about the Cubs. And they were so excited about Patrick Wisdom. They're like, I always like that guy. So glad he's getting a shot with you guys. And I was like, no, you're supposed to be jerks and I'm supposed to hate you. And you're not supposed to be nice and talk nice things. I hate all your guys. You're cheating. <laughs> like, you know, you know magic. get away from me. <laughs> I, I love that Cardinals fans came in full gear to the Bleacher Bum Band show. That's amazing. I, I hope you played your, your Cardinal songs. Not. We for did them. Not. It was um, family oh, friendly a event. Missed, missed opportunity, Danny. Okay, fair. That particular uh, is not yeah, fan no. friendly. Um, but I don't want to get canceled. We, just we can't. Yet. We can't talk about that on the show. This is a family friendly show. Um, but I did get a kick. Did you watch uh, Sunday Night Baseball last night between the Yankees and the Red Sox? Judge trying to hit number sixty one. It got rained out. I saw like it right did. at the end. <laughs> but before it got rained out, there was for reasons that I 
failed to understand. Uh, ESPN decided that the player they wanted to mic up was Harrison Bader, who has been a New York Yankee for four minutes. Um, just because, I don't know, they wanted to antagonize me and make me listen to Harrison Bader, I guess. But there's this, there's this great interview that they do with him. And by great, I mean awful, where they ask him what it's like to be in New York and what it's like to be a Yankee. And I'm like, he literally came from the Cardinals. This, this kid didn't come here from like the Mariners or something. It's not like he's come from like, you know, the Royals and like he, he has no idea what it's like in New York and he's going to be so wowed by the big city lights. I'm like, the Cardinals are the NL Yankees for all intents and purposes. They are, they are the evil team that's won a lot that hasn't won recently that like the Cardinal way, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, did we really need a 10 minute interview with Harrison Bader where we make sure he's okay as a Yankee? I mean, plus he's been in the minors this whole time rehabbing. Like he doesn't know yet. I mean, he, he just got here. And I think that there are certain things that, you know, they probably made him cut his hair. So, oh yeah, his hair is very short now. Yeah. So, uh, so that's probably the most of it, but you know, I feel like a lot of that stuff, I mean, you do have the history of it, but these guys don't know about that. I mean, they were in some of these guys were in diapers the last time the Yankees had a dynasty. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, the Yankees right now. And a lot of that came from Steinbrenner and all that, like, sort of lore around him. And I know the Yankee fans are all so full of themselves and stuff, but like, show me what you've done recently. I know, you know, I'm just saying like, where have you been recently? You know, you had that one core and you did all that stuff. And then, it, and then you had Babe Ruth, like, and then it was the fifties and nobody remembers that. So like I wasn't born then I was negative like 25, like, you know, so I, I don't care. So you know, you can stand on the shoulders of giants all you want, but if you're not going to do anything, the fact that they're still like, uh, you know, hyping that stuff when it's really the Dodgers and Astros that have been the dominant teams for the last decade who have been there every single year and, and doing stuff. So, you know, Yankee schmankies. When, the, when was the last time they were in the world series? Oh, it's been a hot minute. I, when was the last time the Yankees were in the world? That's series? What I'm saying. When they won in 2009. Was that it? I know. That, I think I it was not that, that long ago. I mean, I'm looking it up right more now. More than a decade. Um, the I I, I know they yeah. did, they're real salty about losing Phillies, yeah. the ALCS to the Astros or the Red Sox or something in like 2018 or whatever because they think they were the cheating or something. I don't know, man. Like mm. Yankees, I. Nah, I don't want to go after Yankees fans today. I just like I can't. <laughs> I'm too tired. Um, well, they went to the World Series four years in a row. That was very impressive. But that was like at the turn of the century, of the last you <laughs> the know turn two- of the last century. Well, it is now. I mean, we're 22 <laughs> years. We could call it that now. Nobody remembers the other turn of the century. Let's. I know it went, that used to mean 1900, but now it means the turn. Of, well, how about the turn of the millennia? I just remember Mark Gray starting a rally against them in game seven to give the Diamondbacks a, a victory against the Yankees. And, and that was good stuff. I was in college for that one. That was fun. To- that was fun times. We'll see what happens um, with this postseason. The, C- the Cubs will not be part of it, but that's okay. Cause we'll be a cup of cubby blue Jays for that. At the moment we are going to um, take a quick break for our sponsors so that we can get you through all of those postseason games. But on the flip side, we will be talking about Kyle Schwarber's return to Wrigley Field. We'll let you know how the Blue Jays fared this week and, and we'll talk a little bit about win projections for the 2022 Cubs. First, a quick break. So Fangrass has this team projected for 71 wins, Danny. That's they're they're ahead of the 69 win pace. They are gonna avoid a hundred loss season. I mean. I don't know, man. This is about as mediocre as it gets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 67, 69, 71, like what's the freaking difference? You lost, you were bad. Like you might as well you might as well be the Nationals at that point who are a game away of, from lo- losing their 100th. The one thing I'll say about it is this year, I know that they and and they're going to tell us this too because there's going to be less teams this year that lost 100 games than other recent years. I think that's how it's going to work out at this point. Yeah, but more teams that lost like 95. Yeah. Like I, so I I was, 
this might be the most boring September of baseball I've ever seen in my life. The only interesting races are the wild card in the National League and the American League East. That's it. Like, and and by interesting, I mean like the Phillies are going to come into Wrigley Field this week and, and like actually care. <laughs> yeah. Well, the NL. You mean NL East? The NL East. Yes. Did I say AL East? Yeah. I meant NL East. I meant NL East. The Mets. The Mets in Atlanta. Braves. Yeah. yeah. But see, even that though. I mean, they've already clinched playoff births and they're already going to play a series. Now, if they were playing to get into a one game playoff, now that would, you know, where the wild card was, you know, cause then, then you have a real advantage, but now like, I don't see like if you're the Mets or the Braves, it just matters. Like who would you rather play? You still got to beat them three games. Like only if you're a, a, a buy team, which I guess the Mets, no, they don't even have a chance to be that. Do they? No, I think they do. I think they can. I think if they're, or at least they could earlier this week. Let me double check. Because it's the top two teams get buys, right? Oh, yeah. Top two. Okay. That's right. I was thinking just top one. Yeah. So the Mets could still get a buy. There would be the Dodgers and the the uh, Mets getting a buy at this point. But yeah, it's exciting. Um, and plus the Brewers are still in it. And no, nobody wants that third wildcard spot in the NL because the Phillies lost to the Braves this weekend and the Brewers lost as well. So they remained a game and a half out of it. And now the Phillies, it's kind of interesting that they come in and, and have to play in Chicago. It, I mean, they just played a really tough Braves team and lost to them. Um, Braves are still playing for it um, because they're, they're trying to overtake the Mets and uh, get that, uh, by week if if it is advantageous but but see what's what is even exciting about the brewers getting in you know like so now you have a mediocre team that made it like they're 80 freaking 2 and 71 like that's not if they went 500 the rest of the year i mean what are they adding like five wins to it yeah, I mean, I Who guess cares? the question is, would you rather see the Phillies or would you rather see the Brewers? And I mean, I the, the Brewers, Brewers, I think the Phillies have a better chance to win because they just got all those vets and it hasn't really worked out for them. But the Cubs could play spoiler is what I'm trying to say, Danny. This this Philly series matters. These three games at Wrigley Field could determine the fate of the Phillies. Well, then we're <laughs> handing it to the, the Brewers. Like, is that good for us? Now they can turn around and be like, hey, we made the playoffs and the Cubs are sitting at home. You know, do we want that like. I don't necessarily want to hand it to Philadelphia. I don't like those fans either. I mean, it's just like sad to like try to be choosing like who would you want to beat you or you beat to get some other teams you don't like in there. Like there's just no winning here. Like I can't, it's the national league. Like I want all the teams to lose. You know what I mean? Do I want all the teams to lose in the national league? I don't know. Like, I guess here's the thing, and and maybe maybe this is what we're trying to get at here. It's just uninteresting and unexciting. Like I, there's nothing here. I guess I'm kind of I, I don't know. I kind of like it when William Contreras hits home runs and plays narco, and Mets fans freak out. I think that's kind of funny. I like Kyle Schwarber hitting home runs. He's got 42, by the way. Kyle Schwarber is yeah. going to come into Wrigley Field with his 42 home runs. Gee, I wonder if the Cubs could have used a lefty power bat at any hmm. point in time this hmm. season. Uh, you know, I just, I want good things for the Padres because they, they did sign guys to the big deals and they went out and did the Soto trade and they're trying to do the thing. And honestly, they just, they're kind of uninspired to watch. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I can't get excited about this. I feel like the extra wild card spots, those should be wild card races. Those should not be teams that are guaranteed to get into the playoffs. It sh we should be having a conversation about whether like the Phillies or the Padres or the Bru like which two of those teams are out, not like which one of those teams is out. You know what I mean? Like it mm -hmm. just feels it just feels uneventful and uninteresting in a way that I am not used to in September for someone who follows baseball really closely. Yeah, because it's not even the playoffs. It's, you know, Michael Cotton from Sunranto show, he calls it the end of the season tournament. <laughs> it's good. It's half the teams. 
it's literally like a little league now. So half the teams get in, you have to really be total dog crap to not. And Hey, that's where we are. So it's not very good. I will to bring it back to positive. I I do want to say, I don't know. It's just one inning of pitching, but Hayden Wisniewski, and I know you have it in the notes and we haven't really got to it yet, but Hayden Wisniewski in that immaculate inning, it's cool. I mean, anybody can like have pirate strike out a lot, big deal, but anybody that can do that, it's, it's the kind of swings they were taking against him or the kind of takes where they were knee bucklers. That's what I like to see. Cause it's just like they, he was fooling everybody and, um, Hopefully he can continue. They're going to get a scouting report on him. The more he pitches, the more success he has, but uh, they don't have one yet. And it's nice to see. Yeah. I'm glad you brought us back to that. Cause I was, I was kind of rambling about how uh, boring baseball feels at the moment, to be quite honest. No, I Hayden Wisniewski has been a, a silver lining around a cloudy Cubs season. He's been great. Uh, he's had four starts. He's thrown 22 innings. He's got a K per nine over nine approaching 10, which is outstanding. But I agree with you that the types of swings he gets are the types of swings you get when you have really good stuff. I've heard from some people who, um, track pitcher stuff that his stuff looks outstanding on their models that, that he really is. He looks like the real, deal. And one of the things that I'm most excited for, for this week, we can talk about the immaculate inning in a second, which if you've not gone and looked at every pitch from that, I mean, that's just a fun thing. Immaculate innings are more rare than no hitters by a lot. The last Cub to throw an immaculate inning was Latroy Hawkins of all people in 2004. And I, and I believe there's only been like five in the history of the franchise. So that is a very cool thing to see. We may not see another one um, in our lifetimes. And, and Hayden Wisniewski will always have that. But one of the things that I'm really curious about this week as he faces the Phillies is what he is going to do against a legitimate offense. Because so far, Hayden Wisniewski has gotten to throw against the Reds, the Pirates, a Giants team that is kind of anemic. I mean, these are not exactly world-beating baseball teams. The first, It seems like the first real offensive juggernaut he is going to face is this Phillies team. And I'm curious how they are going to to bear against him. Yeah. Well, and you know, you just kind of want to see him have a whole season under his belt. Cause there's going to be growing pains with all of these guys. There's very few pitchers that come up and just dominate right away. It's like, you know, it's pretty rare that you even have a, a dominant pitcher on your team. There's a lot of teams that don't have an ACE, a, like a full front end of the all-star game ACE, you know, there's, that's, reserved for very few dudes with the most special of stuff. He's got some special stuff. Hopefully he can uh, just kind of continue success and people keep looking like idiots when they try to swing against it. Cause it's fun to watch. It is. It really is. And I like his energy. Very I do too. Intense. The way he paces, although I, I'm a little, so I, I was nervous because he paces so much. I was like, Oh man, is this going to be, is this going to cause pitch clock problems? Uh, so I timed it. When we were, uh, when they were playing the last time he pitched at Wrigley, I don't remember when that was. It was uh, against the Rockies, the Urania game. And the reason I know that this is because I timed both Wesneski and I timed Jose Urania, who, by the way, Urania takes way too long. He was taking like 30 seconds with runners on, which no, dude, you do not get to do that. You're, you're going to have to rework that for next season. But Wesneski, I think probably because he's already been pitching in the minor leagues with the clock was fine, even with some of the pacing and the stocking and all the stuff that he was doing. So fingers crossed that that helps the Cubs out, that having some guys with recent minor league experience means that they've already worked out all of their pitch clock issues. <laughs> yeah, no, there's going to be a, they're going to have to work that out in the, in the off season. Cause it's, I, I think they've, it's going to totally change some pitchers stuff. I mean, what guy like Wade Miley, if he ever makes it back to the majors, cause he's injured again, but you know, he will, he'll be fine. No problems with him. Like there's a lot of guys that work quickly. That's their thing. But, but there's also like quite a few that looking in there and now that they got the pitch come, here's the other thing. Half the time that pitch, count, not half the time, but sometimes that pitch count doesn't work. They can't hear. They're trying to hear and they can't hear. That's all counted in the time. And I'm like, well, are we going to have to go back to signs? Because that's faster. You know, there. I, this happens, I swear, at, in at least two or three games that I watch 
a week where pitchcom has issues and some guy runs in from third to give the pitcher the pitchcom thing or whatever and I, I don't know i i feel like you just have to have a backup plan at this point in time yeah especially with pitch clock because you don't have time to explain yourself well the pitchcom was going off and you know i just it was breaking up <laughs> i mean maybe the technology is not totally there yet but you know they just they changed a lot all at once. So it's going to be a lot to try to get through. It's like like I play guitar. So I've taken guitar lessons and I've already been playing guitar. And so I've been playing guitar for years and I'm like, I want to learn more about this kind of guitar. So I go and find a teacher and I go in there. And he's like, well, instead of hand, holding your hand like this, why don't you hold it like this? And then you can like come in this way. And that might make total sense to me. I'm like, oh, yes, I've do, been doing it stupidly this whole time. I have some bad habits that I've gotten in. Why am I lifting my finger up? Things like that. So then you try to change and it takes a while to make new habits because we are creatures of habit and things are repeatable and they've been teaching repeatable things to these guys, especially pitchers. Repeat your, uh, repeat your windup, repeat where you throw the ball, repeat your arm slot, repeat this, you know, and something, and somebody comes in and tries to change that. That's hard to do because you've been learning it one way. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting on all of our young pitchers too, because they all have a lot to learn. Still, they got the league to learn. And they've also got, uh, I think, a lot going through their heads just from the maybe oversaturation of information that they've been given in such a short amount of time. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, a lot of these guys are learning a whole new league. They're learning what it's like to be a major league player. They're learning what it's like day to day uh, as they get stuff done. And they're they're going to have to incorporate all these rules changes as well, right? And yeah. I... The thing I hate about it from, and admittedly, like, I'm super cautious about this. It's a running joke at my day job that, like, every time somebody suggests change and they're like, hey, we could do this new integration that does blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm the one who's always just like, nope, don't need it. Don't need it. Don't need it. Don't need a new tool. Don't need a new app. Don't need a new tech this. Don't need a new tech that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am the Luddite of my day job. Let's bring crew. everything out to Slack. You're like, no. <laughs> exactly. That is me every single time. But... <laughs> Um, usually it's because I'm sort of, I'm cautious about change. I'm just like, why do we need this? What does it do that is better th than what we currently have now? Are we creating problems that we can't even see yet? And one of the things that makes me really nervous about the way MLB is rolling out these changes is it reminds me of how they roll out things with the ball, where they don't know what the impact of all of those changes are going to be. And they just throw them all in there at once. And so you, it, it'll be very hard to disaggregate the impact of, all of the changes from each other, right? Like you're changing five different elements of the game at once. Like you're putting in a pitch clock and bigger bases and all these other, you know what I mean? Like it feels like it's hard to tell what the impact of one of those things is when you do four of them at once. And I yeah. don't love that. I, yeah. I don't like that they tweaked the ball and added a bunch of humidors and were like, oh, let's, wow, the home run environment is totally hosed. No joke. Like I, yes, because you, you tweak too many things all at once. I don't know. Yeah, I'm a no, Luddite. <laughs> I mean, no, it, well, and it's just, they just really just did it all at once. I mean, like you said, it's like, it's a total overhaul. We won't know the impact of the individual things because it's not a tweak. It's just like, okay, no more shifting. You're all not shifting. Okay. And you can't throw over anymore. So like you have all these other, so now the infielders are, are differently positioned. The there's a pitch clock going on. Like it, there's just more pressure on everybody to like keep the game moving. I'm all fine with that, but like, that's also not baseball. Like, you know, when like a basket, like on, um, like a, a football team will have um, like hurry up offense and they'll like go right, they run out of time and they go right to the line of scrimmage and real quick. And, you know, either he takes a knee and then calls timeout or spikes the ball or, you know, it's like there, there are no timeouts. There's no clock. And now there is. So that's a big change. It's a huge we'll change. Yeah. It's a huge change. Um, 
Speaking of changes, uh, one of the things that is changing this week is that the Cubs are home for their last home series. Um, And we will see the Cubs at Wrigley Field, first against the Phillies, then against the Reds. Um, And then for hashtag reasons, they will go to Cincinnati and play the Reds again, which Mm. uh, it's just weird to me that you end the season with six games against the same team, three and another. It was. (laughs) Well, it is weird, but it was because they had to move the first series to the last series. I totally understand how it happened. It's also just, it's just a quirky little. It's still weird, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's, it's a strange thing that these two teams are going to play each other and then all travel to play each other somewhere else. Hey, we Uh, only need to do one preview. (laughs) We were talking about the, about Hayden Wisniewski a little bit. He will pitch in this Phillies series. Danny, what else do you see in these Phillies probable pitcher matchups? Yeah, gosh, who do we got here? Um. I'm like looking it up right now, actually, as we speak, uh, we got, um, who's going out there. I'm scrolling down here. Stroman. He's going in the first one, right? Yep. And, um, I mean, you just kind of want him to finish strong. He does really well against the Phillies. So that could be good. Um, I, I do think that he's had quite a bit of success. Zach Wheeler is having a really good year. We, we, we swept the Phillies before, if you recall, but now yes, we're facing but- Wheeler, Nola, and Ranger Suarez, who are much better than maybe who we faced. I don't no, know. No, we beat. faced pretty good pitchers before. The The thing was that Phillies series was weird. It sort of felt like the Cubs really showed up for it, and the Phillies kind of – I mean, they phillied it. Like, I – the thing about this Phillies team, they have great starting pitching. They absolutely rake, and they cannot play defense to save their lives. Like, they are – the the yeah. number of errors and the things that happen when they throw the ball away or misplay a ball. I mean, it is, it's a travesty, man. Like it is, it is hard to watch at times. I don't know if you were watching, we talked about it last show. I think that that Phillies blue Jays game where it was like 18 to 11, that was not because it was a, it was just like great hitting and every, and the baseball was wonderful. I mean, that was kind of a comedy of errors. Like there were a lot of things going on in that game that created opportunities for the Blue Jays to score a lot. And then the Phillies would score a lot. And then the Blue Jays would score a lot. I mean, it was just kind of, a, it was outrageous. Um, I feel like this, these three games against the Phillies are set up for the Cubs to truly play spoiler and get in their heads a little bit, or for the Phillies to be just totally locked down because they need these wins. And the Cubs are like, whatever we're playing out the thread. Yeah. But we got these young guys. They're trying to make a team next year. So um, the only guy we faced out of these, these Phillies is, is Wheeler. And he went seven innings, one run against us. So he kind of kicked our butts. Uh, Wisniewski, I've got high hopes for, you know, uh, and then Assad, I mean, we saw him. It's, it's kind of. I mean, he wasn't supposed to be a guy, and maybe he's not. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's quite that simple. Maybe he finds his way into the bullpen eventually. You know, um, but on this team, there's room for him in the rotation. Unfortunately, he could be a depth piece for the rotation or like a long reliever. But right now, he's in the rotation which you'd rather it be Keegan Thompson, who is back and will be um, probably, I guess, out of the bullpen. And then uh, the other one is um, Justin Steele, who are we going to see him the rest of the year? Unclear. Um, I don't think that we've gotten as much news on Justin Steele as we had on some other guys. I mean, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see Drew Smiley for the rest of the year. I know that he is theoretically scheduled to pitch against the Reds, but I, I'm just going to tell you, I pulled him out of all of my fantasy lineups <laughs> this week because I was like, yeah, I can't take a zero at the end of the season. So I, I'm going to throw in somebody else here. <laughs> I mean, and I'm still unclear about what that whole uh, extension or the mutual option situation is. It's just I, like so opaque. The Athletic is describing it as a mutual option still. And they are very adamant about this. And I, you know, no shade to... Um, it was Gordon Wittenmeyer who said it was a team. Yeah, it was option, Gordo. Right? Yeah, like I, no He's shade to he, no shade to Gordon. Like I, his reporting is very good, but also like I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with the Athletic on this one just because they have been pretty explicit about it since that article, and I haven't seen anything else indicating it's a team option. It might be one of those like wink, wink, nudge, nudge options. Could be, you yeah. know, because we did rehab him back in 2017 and paying him a bunch of money just to recover from Tommy John and then trade him off to, I think the Rangers. So 
I mean, gosh, I mean, it's just hard to know how they're going to make this team up. There's so much coming off. I mean, people are waiting for like some white knight to be riding in on a steed and I don't see it. <laughs> like, you know, you're going to have to go get that. Um, a lot of, I mean, all the blogs have turned to just basically hyping the fact that we're going to get every awesome free agent that ever was. And a lot of that's clickbait, in my opinion, because they do it every freaking year, but it's starting early. Like it's not even the end of the year yet. And they're like, Cubs definitely in on all the shortstops. Cubs definitely in on all Japanese players. Cubs definitely in on, you know, I'm like, well, they're not going to be in on everybody. They might pick up one or two people, but it's not like you've got this um, new core emerging. Not that we've seen. Even Javi took a couple years to get there. You know, comes up as a rookie. I mean, look at O'Neill Cruz. Dude's going to be a stud. I really do believe that. Um, oh, yeah, totally. But is, is it happening this year? No. Might it start to emerge next year? Yeah. Or the year after that, maybe he wins the MVP. I don't know. But, like, you just need this, some time with this stuff, and I'm just impatient. I'm almost, <laughs> 50, I'm almost 50, people. I don't have time for this crap. Yeah, I'm a little bit impatient, too. Um, well, we're waiting for the Cubs to get awesome. We'll we'll see how they do against this Phillies team. Where there, there, are, some, there are some mashers on this Phillies team. I'm excited oh, to yeah. see some of these games. Uh, in the last month and change, JT Realmuto has put up a 177 WRC plus. That's pretty good. Brandon Marsh uh, is sitting at 130. Nick Maton is at 118. Reese Hoskins is at 114. Matt Veerling is at 113. Alec Baum is at 112. Kyle Schwarber's would not even normally register on our list. His WRC plus over the last month and change has been 106. But we're going to give him a, a hometown mention because I know Cubs fans are excited to see the Schwarbino out in left field. And also, he is the NL League leader in home runs in with 42. And I, I just think that deserves a mention. <laughs> yeah, he had two yesterday. Did. He had a two-dong day. Yeah. The Cubs, on yeah. the other hand, have no hot hitters unless Seiya Suzuki comes back from paternity leave, which I, again, like, I hope everything is well in Japan and also sort of seems like we should hear something about that from a front office, but who knows? <laughs> nah, it's just all over. I think in their brains, I, you know, it's, I, I it's like, it's, it is fall training and they're just playing out the rest of this year because they have to. And I think most of these players are going to be on the first plane back to wherever they're from as you know and it's just like doesn't it's too it feel, bad doesn't it feel like if the cubs could like just forfeit these last games they would yeah it really like, does the only thing they care about is getting the revenue from the gate like if they yeah. could figure out a way to get paid to host these games without playing them they, they totally would the team yeah i think the team would because i mean they won't even like I mean, they won't even put Nico on the IL and bring up somebody else because they don't want to pay him five grand a game. I brought that up last time. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, they don't, I know they don't want to start clocks, but that's even more money. If you start some clock on like Matt Mervis or something like that, and he comes up and then now it's too late for that anyway, but September call up thing is over. And I mean, they're just, they're just going to throw these dudes out there and then they're all going to go play in the Dominican winter league. Is which you you saw Frank Schwindel got a job out there with the Aguilas. I did not see that. That's good. Good for Frank yeah. Schwindel. I think he's with the Aguilas de Cibao, which is who Christopher Morel played with last time. So, so it's nice he's hanging on. Found himself something to do this winter. Make a little make a little scratch. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean I'm excited to go. We got the Bleacher Bum Band show on Saturday. That's going to be a lot of fun karaoke time it's free uh, on october 1st at nisei and then um you know i'm just kind of glad to go i want to see the wisneski start i want to see i mean i don't really care to see anybody on the reds but i am excited for the bleacher um the the bleacher uh, je, uh potluck yeah that's gonna be Monday. a blast yeah tell tell uh fans who maybe haven't been um, at the last home game, what you're talking about with the bleacher potluck. Yeah. We all get there at gates and on Sunday and, uh, people just bring food. I brought pizza rolls. I brought cookies. I, br I brought a, some wings from uh jewel, you know, before I just, I just pick up something cause they let you bring in food to Wrigley field, which by the way, they do not 
at Sox Park let you bring in just they let you bring in food, but it's got to be in a Ziploc gallon bag. And they just got all these. I'm like, so beer is more expensive, too. On the, well, maybe not per ounce, but there's 15 bucks a cup plus tax. And I don't really drink beer at uh, baseball games. Wine was, that, too. That much. So I, I can't actually remember if which place is more expensive in terms of beer. Is the wine more expensive? I don't even remember. I, I don't know. It was like I, just, 14 I just order something. what I order. <laughs> yeah, it was it was expensive in there. But um, yeah, it's anyway, you, if you want to come to the game on Sunday and sit in the bleachers, bring some something to share. And they all there in the left field bleachers. Everybody just like puts it out on one of the bleachers and it's just like a buffet. And we all eat some food and try not to get stung by bees. It's pretty much how that usually goes. It's honestly a lot of fun. Um, hanging out with the bleacher crew on the last few days of the season is always kind of a, it's a great way to spend some time. Definitely do not want to miss the bleacher bum band show on Saturday. Right, Danny at Nisei. Is that when that is? Um, yes, yeah, Saturday, Nisei Lounge uh, at, uh, well, it's going to be like 4.30. And the Bleacher Bum Band will go on about 5.30. But there'll be karaoke, too, so you can come sing, too. Well, I'll, I'll need a little bit of alcohol in me before I sing anything. Um, but if I am singing something, I'm sure Danny will tweet about it. Danny, where can people find your takes on this last Cubs homestand, the Bleacher Buffet, the Bleacher Bun Band, and more? Yeah, well, we're going to do another one of the Twitter spaces on Thursday night sometime after the game, um, probably about 8 o'clock or something, give people a chance to settle in, get their kids to bed or something, maybe even push it till later so, um, you know, people can be more relaxed um, and be done with their night and dinner and all that stuff. So uh, come on and follow at Sunranto. That's where I'll be on Twitter, and that's where we'll be hosting that. And you can come on and be have your voice heard. It's the only place that I'm going to let you tell me an idiot. Tell me I'm an idiot right to my face about all the takes that I have, which are, which are many. So, um, but come, come on through. It's it. I really enjoy doing those. Like I love talking to people, cup fans, you know, we get kind of bashed for like, just not, not knowing a lot about baseball, you know, just like we get drunk and sit in the stands. Like that's our thing. You know, we, people knock us for it, but I don't feel that way. I feel like it's pretty smart, passionate fan base that knows a lot. And I learn a lot from people, especially people that follow the minor leagues, because it's hard for me to really care that much. Um, but a lot of people do. And, uh, you know, the, the, everybody's good at something. And um, I don't know. Come on through at Sunranto Twitter. Yeah, those Twitter spaces are great. I will try to make an appearance as well. I will certainly be hanging out at Wrigley Field this week. If, if you happen to make it to one of the Phillies games or one of the Reds games, um, you know, shoot, drop me a, drop me a line and let's, let's say hi. Um, I'll, I'll be hanging out as much as I can soaking in as much baseball and as much being outside weather before everything turns terrible. You can find me at, at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find everything from this podcast and including episodes uh, at the cup of cubby blue podcast link and and danny and i will be back after these games against the phillies to see what happens um as the cubs close out with the reds we'll, and we'll have you covered for some postseason stuff too do not forget that we are we are a blue jays podcast uh going into the postseason the blue jays who will will it looks like be playing in october while the cubs are you know hopping on planes back home until next time